Right here. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want him? Yeah. guys here we are back it's been about i don't know 10 or 11 days before i got to do a podcast last i have been on the road and we've been hunting pretty much all day every day in illinois we did get two deer down um i did post some pictures of uh not only the deer that i filmed with jason gertzman but some of the guys in camp that killed uh, we had one guy in camp uh hunter brooks who killed a deer that's rough score 188 he was an absolute freak of nature he was 29 inches wide and i think one of his main beams was 29 inches and the other one was 28 inches so he had almost 90 inches of measurement just in those three uh those three scores but um absolutely incredible deer they figured him at about seven or eight years old had never seen him on the hoof from the tree stand before and uh actually hunter was getting out of the tree was tired of sitting there it was windy rainy and walked out and uh, the deer pushed two does right out in the middle of an open cornfield and stood there and looked at him. Uh, just one of those things that I feel like would never, ever happen to me. I would never get that lucky. But Hunter got it done, killed an awesome deer. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hunter got it done. He killed an awesome deer. And uh, I got to be there on the recovery, got to take some pictures for him. And it, it was a special moment for him. I know he'll never, he'll probably never top a deer like that again. But. It was still a really cool moment, nonetheless. Um, one of the questions I get all the time is shot list. So when I'm going out in the field, do I have a list of shots that I want to get? Do I have a essentially a plan? And um, a lot of that comes down to pre-production, and that's another podcast I'm going to do is how to go about pre-production and how to do your planning before you go on a trip. But to answer the question about a shot list, I used to use shot lists a lot when I was first getting started because uh, the really good reason to use a shot list is when you get caught up in the moment or caught up in the hunt or you get stuck in a rut on a long hunt to make sure that you're getting all the things you need. I don't use a shot list as much anymore on everyday trips, deer hunting trips, elk hunting trips, turkey hunting trips, just because I know what I need to get and I know the puzzle pieces that I need to be able to tell a good story. But if you're starting out or you tend to get caught up in the moment or you are a little OCD or ADD I guess would be a better descriptor of somebody who would need one I think using a shot list is a really good idea so what I'm going to do is I've already posted it on the website I've got a generic hunt shot list that's really mainly based around a deer hunt um, but you can kind of see its general principles and apply it to really any kind of hunting situation but I've already posted it. It's in a PDF on the website, rednecktechpodcast.com. So if you want to check that out, go for it. Uh, but what I'm going to kind of go over is kind of the basic layout and principles of getting the right shots on a hunt. And I'm going to use the I'm going to use the example of the shot list that I posted to do that. But when you so when you're using a shot list. Essentially what you're doing is you're using it to make sure you get all those puzzle pieces, like I say. If you can go out and you can film a hunt that has all the basic elements, has all the basic principles, has all the essentially building blocks and puzzle pieces to tell a good story, if you get good solid shots of all of those things and you hand that to an editor in an organized fashion or you bring it back to edit it yourself in an organized fashion, then you can tell a good story where you 
go better beyond that is you go beyond your shot list and you get creative, you create content, you get dialogue, you get those pretty shots, those pretty scenics that help tell the story even better than the basics of the shot list. The shot list is literally there to make sure that you don't forget anything and to make sure you have all those basic building blocks, those basic puzzle pieces to tell a good story once the hunt is over. That is what a shot list should be used for. You develop this shot list in that pre-production phase that we're going to talk about later. Pre-production is a huge important part of filming or producing a hunt. So, to get started talking about the hunt, the shot list, first thing you're going to do is you're going to arrive and you're going to be in camp. And what I like to do, and a lot of shows have gotten away from this, and this is and just don't don't get me wrong. These are my opinions, so if you don't like my opinions, that's fine. I don't like a lot of other people's opinions sometimes, but I'm giving my two cents on how I produce and how I shoot things. So, what you want to do is when you get to camp, you get setups everywhere you go. And when I say setups, I mean I want you to get the camera in your subject's face, in your hunter's face, in your whatever it may be, you know, the kid that's hunting, the, you know, the outfitter, whatever. And I want you to get them to tell me, okay, where are we? What are we doing? You know, how did we get here? Whatever it may be. Set up the day, set up the hunt, set up the camp, set up the scenario, whatever it may be. Hey, we're here in Arkansas. We're getting ready to go on our first duck hunt. It's my first flooded timber hunt. And I'm really excited about it. It's really cold this morning. You know, blah, 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 blah. Get them to set it up. The next thing you want to do, and this is one of the shots that most people forget to get and that is what I call an establishing shot and an establishing shot if you watch any major network reality television show they establish everywhere they go there is a generic you know most of the time it's a simple you know five second clip of just the outside of the lodge or the outside of the house the outside of the truck the outside of whatever it is and then you hear somebody talking underneath that shot and then that automatically subconsciously takes me inside and gets me into whatever content I'm wanting to create. Use that establishing shot, just a big wide shot of wherever you are to establish where you are and what you're doing in one simple shot. If you can get a shot that tells the story without having to actually say something to the camera, that's what you need to do. Tell the story through the lens instead of saying the story through dialogue in interviews or voiceover. I hate interviews, I hate voiceover, I like to produce a show or a skit or a whatever it may be that doesn't have to have interviews or voiceover if it doesn't need it. Sometimes certain situations call for it. Sometimes, like in the situation of The Habit that I produced for three years, the interviews add to the show. If the interviews or the voiceover doesn't add to the story or the show or give us more information that we may or may not could have gotten in the field, that's when you use them. If you can produce without using them, absolutely produce it and get the information in the field through your lens or through content or dialogue in the field. Do not rely on those interviews. That is a really good way to get complacent and to get lazy is to rely on interviews and voiceover all the time. That is a lazy way of filming is just shooting interviews and laying B-roll and you know shots over the top of it. There's a lot of shows out there that do that. That is the easiest that's the easiest show in the world to produce. That's why those shows cut together so fast. Anyway, uh, sorry for my tangent. Then we're going to get shots of getting in and out of the truck. Just another establishing shot, getting in, getting out. 
maybe even get another setup in the truck. I like to talk to the camera. I like to get somebody, whoever my subject is, to talk to the camera every chance I get, even if they're repeating themselves. The reason for that is, now I'll give the editor options. He might like how they said something better than the way they said something else. He might like the light in something better than he likes it in something else. He might like having two different versions to bounce back and forth. This, you know, this content might be being used in two different places and you want it to look different. I get talking every chance I get. You know, if you, like we've talked about in the communication, once you've worked with somebody enough, it becomes second nature. They see that camera pointed at them and that red light on and they know, okay, t you know, tell me what we're doing. Who, what, when, where, why, and whether. Those are the, those are the things that I always try and make sure that we, I get from um, my subject, whoever I'm filming. Who, what, when, where, and whether. Weather is the one that we add in for hunting, obviously, because we want to we want to know what the weather is. You have to assume that your viewer's stupid, and I know that sounds terrible, but most of the time we take for granted what our viewer knows and does not know. A lot of times we think that they should look at us, what we're wearing, or where we're at, or the terrain, or the bow, or the time of year, and assume that they know that we're whitetail hunting, or that we know that it's cold, or this or that. That's not always the case. Most of the time, your viewer is stupid and you have to lay it out on a silver platter. Who, what, when, where, why, and whether. All the time. Tights of hands and faces. Alright, we're still at the end camp at the very top of this shot list. Tights of hands and faces driving. Alright, the reason that you do this is when you get talking or you get setups, you want to get those B-roll shots in the car that are relevant. That way, if you need to stitch over somebody that's long-winded when they're talking, you have B-roll to lay over those shots. You know, everybody's seen the shots of the keys dangling out of the ignition. They've seen the hands on the steering wheel, the tight shots of the eyes, the rearview mirror, you know, maybe gear that's laying in the cup holder. Well, the reason that you get those shots is so you have those as relevant shots to lay over edits. So if you have to cut up somebody's interview in the truck, you know, you have to cut it three or four times. Well, you don't want to show those jump cuts. You need B-roll to cover over those shots. That's why you get those. And then you go to the walking to the stand. And you'll see after I have walking to the stand, I say I have WMT. And when I say WMT, I mean wide, medium, and tight. So there's a lot of shots that when you get, when you get them, you need to get them three versions of them. Wide, a big wide shot that shows the expanse of where you are. A medium, which is essentially your, you know, your basic shot of you know, chest or waist up walking or, you know, full body size walking. And then you have your tight. Tight can be, you know, just the head. Tight can be all the way into the eyeballs, like a really, really tight shot. Tights of fingernails and broad heads and, you know, whatever it may be. Tight can be a lot of different things, but I like to get all three versions of that shot if I can. Wide, medium, tight. All right, now we get in the stand. We're going to set up again. Who, what, when, where, why, and weather. Uh, the weather is particularly important because of the deer. You want to talk about the date. You know, anything the viewer needs to know. Make sure they know that. Are you hunting public land? Are you hunting private? Are you with an outfitter? Are you, you know, are you bow hunting, rifle hunting? Is it a shotgun hunt? And on, with that, you also need to do a good job as a producer to make sure you know all the game laws. In the state of Illinois, you have to wear orange just like your hunter does. In some other states, you don't have to do that. You just need to know your game laws. All right, then we're going to work on, once we get our setup in the tree, we're going to work on getting our shots of our products, our wide, medium tights of all of these things. 
our bow, our release, other gear, camo, broadheads, you know, range finders, get into range find different places, you know, all the shots that tell the story of where you're at, tights of the trees, tights of leaves, all those different things. Then we're going to go to the eyes, the hands, the boots, the leaves, I already said that, deer, squirrels, anything, really anything that tells the story of where you're sitting and what you're doing, all right? Then we're going to do our establishing shot of in the tree, a big wide sweeping shot of the area that you're in. It can literally be a pan left to right or up and down or whatever to show where you're sitting, to show what the hunter's working with essentially. You use that to establish what you're doing where you're hunting. Obviously you have to have good light and the daylight has to be there in order for to get some of these shots, but get these shots wide, medium, tight of all the things that you see wide, medium, tight next to or that work for that wide, medium, and tight concept. All right, now we're going to work on, now we've got all of our shots done, and now we're sitting on waiting on a deer to come in. So anytime we have an animal coming in and we have time, we want to get wide, medium, tight to those. We see a couple of does running through the woods. We're going to get wide shots of establishing where they are. We're going to get medium shots as if we were going to shoot them. And then we get tight shots of, you know, just their heads and their ears and the eyes. Obviously, if they're close enough. Close enough. Then uh, I say cool stuff. You know, anything that happens, squirrels running up the trees, you know, birds that are flying in, you know, whatever may happen, wide, medium, tight, so those things. And uh, when I say wide, medium, tight, make sure you have a 5 to 10 second timer. You get 5 to 10 seconds of the wide, 5 to 10 seconds of the medium, 5 to 10 seconds of the tight. Because in edits, usually you're not going to use more than that most of the time. The only time you're going to use something more than that is when an animal that you're going to kill is coming in. And then you can roll on that for a long time just because that's really what people are, are wanting to see. Other than that, you can really bounce through and get creative on your angles, your your lengths, your, you know, your focal lengths, you know, your depth of fields, all that stuff. That's when you can get creative when animals are, are you have a long time watch them coming in, you get lots of pre-roll or you have other animals around you as you use that time to be creative. All right, an animal comes in uh, walking in, wide, medium, tight, leading shot. And when I say leading shot, when an animal's walking in, we want to see where they're going, not where they came from. So you want to give them a little bit of room in front of the animal, not behind the animal. So essentially, if you break your, your frame up into thirds, you want to keep that animal, if you're they're walking right to left, you want to keep them in that right third of the frame. That way you see where they're going and not where they came from. If anything, you want to keep them in the center. You don't ever want to have a trailing behind them to where you see where they've been. That's just another thing subconsciously that we want to see. And if it's not like that, it's kind of uncomfortable for your viewer. Over the shoulder if you can. So obviously that's going to depend on your tree, your setup, where your tree stand is, who you're hunting with, all that. So right-handed shooter... In a perfect world, we want to be over their right shoulder. Left-handed shooter in a perfect world, we want to be over their left shoulder. Um, we set up to hopefully get that shot over the shoulder. If you can, an animal comes in that you're going to shoot over that right shoulder and the, and the shot is perfect and it's usually inside 25, 30 yards. If you can get your hunter and your animal in the same frame as the shot happens, I would do it because what that does is that solidifies and gives your story and your hunt legitimacy. Even though people most of the time nowadays are going to believe that you shot that animal, there's no way around it. There's no way of faking it if you see them both in the same frame. 
So if you can, go for it. When you shoot the deer, when the deer is shot, you need to be ready to not only back out, but you need to be ready to follow that animal once the shot happens. So when the shot happens, they go, they take off running, you follow them as far as you can, and you follow the deer until it's either out of sight or it goes down. And as soon as that happens, we come immediately back to our hunter to get a reaction. But we follow that animal until that. So our shot goes off, the deer runs, he goes over the ridge, and as soon as I lose sight of that deer, the first thing I'm doing is I'm immediately coming right back to my hunter. I'm not stopping recording. I'm just going to keep rolling, come right back to my hunter to get that reaction. And you can roll on that reaction as long as you need to and let your editor pick out pieces that he wants because now he has that whole kill shot and the whole sequence of things that you've shot all day to be able to color, cover those reactions up. And the whole point of the reaction is to try and capture the emotion. You really want to capture the emotion of what's happened and the story behind what's happened. Hopefully, you know, you have a story behind that animal, whatever it may be. Um, sometimes I, I have people redo reactions. You know, if the first one's not good or, you know, it might, you know, this, you never know what the situation is. But sometimes you have to get them to redo a reaction. Um, let them, and like I just said, roll a long time after the shot. Let them take it in. And even guide the conversation if you need to. You know, a lot of times when people get jacked up after they shoot an animal, they forget to say some things or they forget details on things, and you have to essentially help them. Don't feel free, feel free to help them. All right, so here's the shot list for after the shot. After everything's calmed down, after the deer shot, after you've got your reaction. These are what we call cutaways, or some people call them recreates. But what we've got to do is now we've got to get shots of clipping in your release, flipping off the safety, drawing the bow, shouldering the gun, pulling the bow off the hanger, uh, stopping the animal, tights of the eyes, rattling, grunting, all of the things that they did that you might not have got footage of during the hunt. If they saw, if they had an encounter with a deer that you didn't get you know, footage of, we need to get footage of them seeing that animal for the first time. All of these are recreates, all of these are after the fact, and all of these are acting. I know some people don't like that. Some people feel like, oh, well, I want to show it exactly how it happened. Well, 99 times out of 100, unless you have a second angle that you get on in time to get all those things, and if you have that, awesome, I would still go back and get these shots just because they look cleaner, they look better, and they all happened. It's a television show, it's entertaining, or it's a web show, it's supposed to be entertaining. Get all the pieces to the puzzle. Whether you like them or not, whether people know they're faked or not, they go with the story. I say get them. Some people are against them. If you're against them, then don't get them. But in my opinion, you should always, always, always get them. On the recovery, what we want to do is we always want to be behind the hunter. We don't want to be. We don't want to get to the animal before the hunter does. Everybody hates that shot of the uh, camera guys already found the deer, and then the guys finding the deer. Whoa, there he is! Well, the camera guys are there. Obviously, they knew the deer was there. Don't be the first to the deer. Let the let the hunter be the first to the deer. Be behind them. Uh, make sure you're checking audio. Make sure that you've got your earbuds in. Make sure there's no, no clicking and popping as you're going to recover the animal. Wear your earbuds all the time. It's, it's very easy. Don't be lazy. Once you've done the recovery and you're happy with it and they've t you know told you you know what you know who what when where why and whether in the recovery of the deer they're holding the deer up and you've got it framed right and it's pretty in the light and all that good stuff. Then we want to go back and we want to go get tights of the hands, you know, tights of all the different things where the arrow hit, the impact, tights of cool features maybe on the antlers, 
shots showing the antlers off really tight and different lighting. You know, all those different shots that you see because now we're going to use all those shots to cover up the stumbles in their recovery. We, it's just like in the truck. We use all those shots to cover up stumbles or things that we might not need or times that they repeat themselves. I think that this is going to be a really, way, really easy way for you to essentially break down a hunt and break down all the puzzle pieces that you need. You can take these puzzle pieces, apply them to other things, and it will it'll start to make sense. But you really have to get it out there and shoot some stuff. Go out there, shoot all these basic shots, get a good solid kill shot, and you have all the puzzle pieces to put together a good story. But remember, when you're telling a story, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. Make sure you get all those pieces, the beginning, the middle, and the end. Don't just get the beginning and the end and the kill shot. There's a lot of stuff in the middle that you have to get. And that's the meat, and that's really the lot and the most of the work is the middle stuff. Beginning, middle, end. Every scene has a beginning, a middle, and an end. You know, setting up at camp, getting in the truck, getting out, beginning, middle, end. In the tree stand, setting up all the different, you know, B-roll shots. Hopefully a shot happening, beginning, middle, end. Recovery, walking to the deer, setting the deer up. Closing out on your recovery shot, beginning, middle, end. You have to have all the puzzle pieces in order to make a good story. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Let me know if you have any questions. If you would like you know, more information on this, I think I'm going to do pre-production here pretty soon. I'm also going to do one on filming waterfowl, which I'm going to go ahead and tell you, spoiler alert, I absolutely hate filming waterfowl, but I've done enough to know a good bit about it. Uh, I'm going to try and get some people um, that I know that are really good at this to help me on that podcast. So uh, without further ado, I think that's episode number 12 on Shot Lists. Find us on Instagram at Redneck Tech Podcast. And uh, our email address is Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks, guys.